Welcome to the fourth and second to last installment of Scientific Imagination and a Science Space podcast series. In today's episode, we are going to explore the challenge of composing and decoding the message further. A Science Space is an interdisciplinary project by media artist Daniela de Paulis in collaboration with the SETI Institute, the European Space Agency, the Green Bank Observatory and the, the Italian National Institute for Astrophysics. The project consists in transmitting a simulated extraterrestrial message as part of a live performance using an ESA spacecraft as a celestial source. The objective of the project is to involve a worldwide search for extraterrestrial intelligence community, professionals from different fields and the broader public in the reception, decoding and interpretation of the message. For more information, visit assignin.space or scientificimagination.org. Joining us today are some remarkable individuals, Claudia Mignone, outreach expert, and entrepreneur Giacomo Michelli, who played a crucial role in crafting the message. Also joining is Confello José Caravego Garbagliale on the Discord channel of Assigning Space, also known as Batch Drake, who, in collaboration with others, was the trailblazer in extracting the message from the signals. Since this episode focuses on unraveling the signal, I recommend listening to the other episodes first or visiting the website or the Discord channel of Assigning Space to gain a clearer understanding of the topics we discuss in this podcast. My name is Sabine Winters. My name is Claudia Mignone. I'm an astrophysicist from Italy, from the south of Italy originally, and I've been working as a science writer and communicator for the past 14 years. I started my journey as a research astronomer, so about researching about cosmology. I work for the Italian National Institute for Astrophysics, ENOF, since 2020. And before that, I worked for 10 years for the European Space Agency in the Netherlands, communicating the agency's science mission. So the adventures and results from a number of space missions exploring our solar system and observing the universe from space. So my role in the project has been from my expertise in in science communication, astronomy, science communication and public engagement. So I've been part of the panel of experts that advised the artist Daniela De Paulis for a couple of years, I would say year and a half, two years before the design of the message. So we had a regular monthly meetings discussing a whole number of topics. So from SETI itself, what it means astronomically, but also what it would mean from a sociological point of view. We had very interesting discussion about possibilities of panic. We we talked about a number of historical episodes, including the, the famous world wars from the beginning of the 20th century. And that's that's why the decision came fossilized. The decision took shape of announcing that this was an art performance per se from the beginning. We had a lot of discussion also on how best to engage the public 
because it's it's not a, it's not a given that you just communicate something and then people come to the website and decode the message so maybe some would but there's a whole extra layer of of management of this engagement of the public that had to be that there wasn't clear at the beginning of the project and then it took shape throughout those meetings so how to create a platform basically where people could discuss we've also had many conversations with daniela about it because it's uh, it's an art project it's a science art project it's a performance art project that has a public engagement component so it's not a a public outreach project that an institution says oh i want to share my research with the public let's do something so it also has an element of that but it's primarily performance it's an art piece so it follows different rules and that's why there's been so many conversations with so many collaborators and and i think that is another aspect that makes it very very unique that it it really brings together so many experts from different fields so from radio communication communication engineers space engineers space scientists astronomers and then you have sociologists anthropologists poets artists philosophers so really a diverse set of people who created the project and then this is reflected in the community that that has picked it up because also the community that has been discussing it on discord and the platform where the project is unfolding since the message was transmitted and received that's also a very diverse community there's people from all paths of life and as i understand also from very wide distribution around the planet so that's very beautiful and i think ultimately what this project is is a is an exploration of ourselves as as we try to understand how we would communicate with a species or how a species would communicate with us in this case it's fundamental that we understand well what what do, do we need what do we want to say and in that sense we need to to better understand ourselves so i think ultimately like all research it it is an understanding of of ourselves as as humans as carbon-based forms that live on a speck of rock around a star in a galaxy but also that can make connections all around the planet and like what it really means to to be a global species that tries to make sense of itself in in a bigger universe so i would say my role was dual as in part of the the advising panel and then part of the communications public outreach team My name is Giacomo Michelli. I'm a computer scientist and a, an entrepreneur. And I also dub as a, a creative person in the half time. I have been involved into this magnificent project of Ascending Space since October 2022. And it's been a fascinating journey. Very excited to have been part of it. So when Daniela reached out to me in October, 
I remember that she was really, really excited to tell me about how this project would have played out from a medium standpoint. So already back then, she knew that the message would have been conveyed using an orbiter, a Mars orbiter, back to Earth, and it would be received by four radio telescopes, et cetera, et cetera. All of those details were already defined by then. So when I joined, it was already at a very advanced stage. But she didn't have an important thing figured out yet. As of, as of October 2022, she did not have the message. And so we, we started chatting about what could the message look like. And I've been involved together with her in a number of meetings, also with, with other participants of the projects. And by January, or latest February of 2023, we had narrowed down the message team to a very small core of, of three people, Daniela, Roy Smiths, and myself. And we just worked on the message until, until we felt satisfied. And I, I can say that it was extremely rewarding. Of course, the message hasn't been decoded yet. So I cannot say too much about my involvement in the project without you have to put yourself in a very special pair of shoes, the one of nailing. And that in of itself is a very, very rewarding exercise. And you know that uh, this project implicitly has a, a large audience. And so that also plays a role. If I write a message, of course, I implicitly put myself in the shoes of who receives the message. And in this case, I'm an alien writing a message for humanity. Of course, this message hasn't reached the entirety of humanity, but there are thousands, probably on the order of the tens or hundreds of thousands of people that have been exposed to the message now, which makes it very relevant. And so we knew back then that we were doing something special and that we needed or, or wanted to, to convey something that we thought was beautiful, poetic, meaningful, and deep. And looking at what's being done in the Discord channel, I can say that we've already hit a goldmine of, of meaning because people analyzing the message are finding so much into it that it's just incredible to witness the experiments and what people are doing with it. My name is Gonzalo Garratedo. I also go by the nickname of Batstrike. Since I was a teenager, <laughs> I'm a PhD student in astrophysics. Uh, I'm doing my research on the Center for Astrobiology here in Madrid, dependent on the Spanish National Research Council. And in the past, I used to work in the cybersecurity sector as an ethical hacker. So. Yeah, so I have this background on computer software, computer engineering, software engineering, and also science. So, okay, so, well, <laughs> since I have this background of security, I kind of experienced it as some kind of CTF contest. A CTF is a captured flag. It's a 
kind of game played by hackers or people that would like to, I don't know, work in the cybersecurity sector in the future just for fun because they look kind of things. And they usually consist on a series of challenges or tests or questions that you have to solve, like, I don't know, analyze some software to figure out how it works to extract a key or to create something or extract data that's sitting in the document in some unrooted way, etc. right? And for me, it was basically the same mindset, although in this case, maybe the, the setup or the, or the lore of the whole, of the whole challenge was somewhat different. So for me, it was pretty much like that for me personally, but of course, I also acknowledge that there's more to it, right? Like it's also about, would we be able as a civilization to figure out the meaning if it makes sense to talk about the meaning of a signal coming from an extraterrestrial intelligence, right? So since I have this background of cybersecurity, I kind of experienced it as some kind of CTF contest. A CTF is a captured flag. It's a kind of game played by hackers or people that would like to, I don't know, work in the cybersecurity sector in the future just for fun because they look kind of things. And they usually consist on a series of challenges or tests or questions that you have to solve, like, I don't know, analyze some software to figure out how it works to extract a key or to create something or extract data that's sitting in the document in some unrooted way, etc. right? And for me, it was basically the same mindset, although in this case, maybe the, the setup or the, or the lore of the whole, of the whole challenge was somewhat different. So for me, it was pretty much like that for me personally, but of course I also acknowledge that there's more to it, right? Like it's asked about, would we be able as the civilization to figure out the meaning if it makes sense to talk about the meaning of a signal coming from an extraterrestrial intelligence, right? And then all that. And I mean, I believe that's part of the, of the fun, right? Not only the, the goal of the project, which is written somewhere, but also how everyone experiences it and lives it and how people talk to each other to exchange ideas on and from what perspective. So I believe it's also part of, I mean, it's, it's also about the under subjectivity of different people with different backgrounds, right? Playing with the same game. So I was interested in it because well, I have to say, I'm a huge fan of this movie from 1997 called Contact. So for me, it was like, okay, I'm going to play Dr. Arroway here. <laughs> so for me, it was pretty much like that. And not only that, so, I mean, I do like self-promotion too much, but I am a developer of a signal analysis software called SigDigger, and many of its features and also the graphical interface itself is inspired in, in scenes and, and frames of the movie contact itself. So for me, it was like living the dream, living the movie with that existence thing. I was like, hey, let's try to figure out and measure the developer shift and, and look for something. So perhaps I was more helpful in the earlier stages of the, of this project. I mean, because of my technical background, because in, in the beginning, 
the only thing we, we had were these actual recordings from different radio astronomical, but radio astronomical observatories around the world, especially Greenback, but also the ATA. And well, in here in Spain, people from Yeders as well. So let's say that in that case, there were like lots of people that had maybe little knowledge on how these things were. So they were like, you know, try to open the file with existing software. Of course, that didn't work because that's, I mean, those files are not supposed to be treated like that. Like I just happened to love analyzing radio signals and, and, you know, figure out what's hiding behind. So let's say that I had some bugger of that. So I was more like, try this, open it with this thing. Let's try to understand first what this means. And when I saw people that was, you know, feeling stuck, I was like, let's, you know, put all my energies in this. And so I started to demodulate everything. I think later other people joining like, hey, hey, storm in, in Discord, which helped us a lot. And with patience and, and the help of other people, of course, we managed to, you know, write to the actual message, but it was maybe most of my role there was helping out with the extraction of the true message, right? I would like to mention a lot of people here, but I'm like, I have a terrible memory. There's a GitHub repository with the findings and also mentioned to people. So. All the people that helped me out, he's special there. So I would say like, yeah, in the road in the beginning was mostly helping out with the modulation, with the modulation and extraction of the, of the data and some preliminary analysis. And maybe later because of the assignment space community, I was helping out with the moderation of the forum. I mean, so let's say that the connection with contact was maybe in the first days of the, of the challenge, but. Right now, I like anyone else like trying to figure out meanings and propose interpretations on like that. But for me, what I still like most is again the idea of intersubjectivity. I mean, you know, even though I have this background in cybersecurity and right now this astrophysics, these things are always connected to science and technology. And I have a set of conceptual tools and expertise and things that are highly tied to the kind of work I do and the kind of co-workers I, I work with. But this is completely different. We have a disparate channel with lots of people, with lots of different backgrounds, with so different personal stories that also want to participate in this, in this kind of global phenomenon that is assigned in space. And in some cases, you have to make an extra effort that I believe is the most interesting and rewarding part, like how do you communicate your ideas or try to convince someone else or try to understand what's the other one trying to tell you from a very, you know, different background? And how do you connect ideas or those thoughts with, with yours? So doing this extra effort and trying to, you know, walk in someone else's shoes. For me, it's the most important and, you know, seeing the world with different glasses in, in the end. And of course, learning that with, there's something that someone is proposing and maybe in a first glimpse doesn't make too much sense to you. Like try to go beyond that. Why do you think this person is thinking about it? And the other way around, of course. So I'm proposing this. What I'm proposing this and not something else, right? So 
is this thing of continuously questioning the way you think and the way others do and try to find this common ground and yeah sharing this in from this you know this kind of pleasure of completely different minds for me that's mainly the most required thing Well, of course, different people see different things when going through a series of exchanges between between strangers, people who have gathered in this communication channel only because they are curious about this, this project. To me, a goldmine means that I am actively learning from this project. I go through this Discord channel and find a lot of concepts, concepts that I was not aware of. They could be in the form of a, a link to a Wikipedia page. It might be in the form of an algorithm that somebody is sharing. It might be in the form of a very poetic interpretation that somebody takes on the message. And you know, there is no qualitative judgment done on, on the content. There is just an absorption of, of what is being posted. And I, I just find it flabbergasting to see what people come up with. It's really, truly exciting. And it also questions the idea that there is a correct reading of the message. Because when we set out to, to compose this message, I think we also had in mind the idea of having the message have as many readings as possible. So this is something that we really thought would have been valuable for the success of, of this project. And, and I think that a quick tour over the Discord channel makes it abundantly clear that people have all sorts of interpretation from you know the musical to the naturalistic to the sci-fi. There's really many, many lenses through, through which to read the message. So that for me is a goldmine, just the, the content that is created around it and, and the knowledge that is bubbling up to the surface. Yeah, in the beginning you, again, you jump straight to the typical answer, like this is going to be prime numbers, this is going to be some chemistry, this is going to be some mathematical thing, but what if it's not like? So we receive this message that seems to come from an celebration of So how would we react to that as a civilization? How would we react that as a species? So these are like really different perspectives. So my guess, my guess is that in the beginning is going to be maybe a completely monopolized from our own biases acquired from the pop culture. Like the, these images would have, well, what is ET like? What is, you know, an exchange intelligence? And we have a lots of cultural projects on that subject. And those are going to be the first tools we are going to, we're going to use to, to like put this event in our minds. But I'm sure that's the part that's going to maybe fade because as soon as more people get involved to this and start to provide ideas and give more time and, and do this effort on, again, reconsidering our own conceptual tools, 
we will start to question perhaps the nature of intelligence itself. And at some point, I believe it's going to get to more or, or deeper problems like consciousness. So like how much can we actually infer from this? So I believe it at some point is going to, I don't know. I didn't think it's going to, for instance, put ourselves far from our idea of being the center of the universe, at least in a subconscious level, but perhaps it's going to decenter a little bit, right? So, and of course, this depends on how rich that message is going to be. I think that some of the conversations that that are happening on on the Discord platform, and it's interesting that they reflect a lot the conversations we had in the panel, they are a lot about uh, trying to take a step back from uh, anthropocentric perspective. So, which of course it's difficult, if not impossible, because we are humans. <laughs> so we have an anthropocentric <laughs> view of, of ourselves and the universe. We, we make sense of the universe by our physical senses. Astronomy started as a visual science, and now we have sensors, CCDs that collect light with the help of telescopes and also instruments across the electromagnetic spectrum. We detect gravitational waves. We get signals from the universe now that are even beyond our, our human senses, but it all started from our senses. So. As, as detailed as our picture of the universe is, it still might be very biased and there might be so much about the universe that we are not able to, to get because we don't have the, the right instruments. There could be physical instruments like tools, but also the, the mathematical or mental instruments to make sense of those signals. And th this is what I mean by by what when I say that with this entire enterprise, we learn more about ourselves. So we we learn more about our limitations, and then I guess by learning about our limitations, we define better who who we are. So by by understanding what we are not, <laughs> we cannot, what we cannot approach. And in a sense of a connection with other life forms, then this becomes the anthropocentric uh, interpretation because we we know a very wide variety of life forms on Earth, but they all started from one, one sort of cellular life back a few billion years. We don't even know whether it started here on Earth from blocks, building blocks that came from space or whether it was brought entirely from space and then flourished and evolved on Earth. And it's based on carbon and other other elements and molecules. But it's so we, we look for, when we look for other forms of life out there, we look for similar things. We look for molecules in atmospheres of exoplanets that are similar to the molecules that on Earth would tell you about the presence of life. That's our textbook. But we are all very well aware that there could be other entire possible uh, life forms. What is life even? So, And 
until we we don't discover we can we can only imagine of course with the help of science and chemistry biology and the laws of physics here imagination plays a big role and even though our imagination is very very strongly shaped by by what we've seen what we what we know of it's it's very hard in these very fundamental terms to step out of what we know. So anthropocentric, earth-centric, you might want to call it, uh, this earth-centric view, because we've we've only been here, I mean, a, a handful of people been to the moon, but that, that's what we know. And, and I think that assigning space is a very beautiful experiment at trying to make something... Uh, new out of all this box, all this toolkit, this library of knowledge that we have. And really with this challenge that again, is it's tangential, it's a unique challenge, just trying to, to create a piece of knowledge that is really, really new. It starts as a, a boy's dream in a summer evening watching the stars with my dad, looking at shooting stars, learning names of constellations and, and, and just letting the mind wander. I think it's part of that dream is still alive and a lot of the things that we see in the stars is similar to a science space, in the sense that the sign is read in multiple ways. I find it fascinating how the same stars could be seen by different civilizations in different ways, representing different concepts. And this is what happens also in a science space. People are finding numerous readings, and they all make sense to the person that comes up with that reading. So I guess so the technical term for that is it's apophenia. Apophenia is the tendency to perceive a connection or meaningful pattern between unrelated or random things. Now, they might be unrelated, they might be related, but the point is that it is strictly embedded into the fabric of our brains to try to find meaning into the things that we see. It's, it's how we became such good problem-solving entities and I, I think it's, it's something beautiful. So it all goes back to watching the stars in the end. And I think that fascination opened the door to what I consider the most important characteristic in, in me, which is curiosity, simple curiosity. Just keep on asking why or where or who or when and just go on with that. I think if you are stuck into a cycle of curiosity, satisfaction, the curiosity, spawning a new question, you have several lifetimes to feel in. There's just too much to know out there. And the sense of fascination somehow remains fresh. It, it sort of, it renews with the age. And, and sometimes you, you can be fascinated multiple times by understanding something you already knew at a deeper level. It's the reason why people read the same book multiple times or watch the same movie multiple times. 
you do find meaning from the same thing, even at different points in time. I think the message, it will be decoded eventually. And, and I think the project will, will have a second life after that because there will be, there will be even more meaning exploding from, from the reading that we consider the correct one doing air quotes here. So the, the quest for meaning is, is probably the only thing we will never get rid of. I don't think we will ever get to the bottom of all the questions and I think probably that's that's for the good. I, I think the way we're structured, we could possibly go crazy if there wasn't anything there else for us to understand or to discover. We would be complete, and as such, we probably wouldn't have any anything else to do. Sounds like a boring universe to me. And uh, yeah, I just think it's a matter of time. If you ask me how long do I think it's going to take, I would say between three and six months. That's, that's basically what I, what I think. I, I see a lot of individuals working on theories that are exciting and super interesting. I would like to see more cooperation in a sense I have the feeling that many people are working by themselves and, and it's possible that, that this research would progress faster if people would work together. But then again, I, I also think it's possible that one single person will understand it all. It's just a matter of working on, on the message and, and looking into it. So, you know, we have so many ideas and so many lines of research that my bet is that we already have the answer. But the problem is that... So, you know... We have so many ideas and so many lines of research that my bet is that we already have the answer. But the problem is that it's like a needle in the stack, right? So I believe that, you know, right now we need some kind of organizational work. Like, I don't like to say this, but we need a, some kind of manager here. I'm not that kind of profile. I'm a, like, you know, the guy that does the technical work that loves to get his hands dirty with technical stuff. But at some point there's, you know, a need for an organizational figure that takes, like, you know, the full picture of the current research and puts all together and starts to, you know, question the basis for different lines of research, lines of research, etc. When I say a management figure, manager, does it have to be a leader? It has to be a person that loves reading the stories and ideas of the other people and loves to sort out this thing and create like a big picture of the whole thing. For me, it's something not too different from the technical work, but it's about a technique I'm not particularly proficient on. <laughs> so for me, it would, it would be something like required, right? But not necessarily legal. Of course, it's a leader will put the pair because right now we are like some kind of, you know, a shapeless bunch of people trying to figure out ideas and, and exchanging them with each other. So for what I've seen on the, the discussions on the Discord platform, I am amazed at the creativity of the people who have been discussing about the 
the meaning, the interpretation of the message for the past several weeks. They have come out with with such really interesting and complicated possible interpretation, like trying to to visualize the the message uh, into different media, so projecting it on a sphere or even sonifying it, creating 3D representation, folding it, uh, and and then, of course, resorting to other interpretation, like comparing it to the motion of insects, comparing it to cellular automata, I don't know, to cellular automata, this complex uh, theory. And then perhaps the... I, I don't know, of course, nobody except the, the the core team who designed the message knows what knows its meaning. But I wonder whether it's something like so complicated or perhaps it would be something like really, really simple. I really like the proposal that someone made that, that it looks like, it kind of looks if you project it in a particular way, like the like the view of earth from space at night so like the shape of cities on the continents and i would like that because you know maybe that would be an attention catching message from the alien civilization who has seen us and say look look i see you and let's let's talk <laughs> that would be nice so maybe it's it's something really simple but to get to this simple, to this very fundamental kind of interpretation, you have to explore all the possible avenues. And I wonder if I also discussed about it with with Daniela a few weeks ago, whether we whether a new call for people like presenting a little bit of all this bag of knowledge that has been created so far on the platform all this possible interpretation putting them out on a bigger on a platform with a bigger resonance so that they reach again the very many hundreds of thousands that how it happened at the time of the message transmission i wonder whether then someone could again from outside not having been involved in all these nitty-gritty interpretation could say ah but maybe it's that so uh, who knows how how it will unfold in the, in the next few few weeks but uh, if we could represent perform in a way a distilled version of all these discussions then perhaps someone from outside could join in and contribute and join things that maybe inside we're not seeing so in that sense the Imagination is is the fuel of this cast, but it could also be the um, a dispersion force. It could also be dispersing. It could also be dispersing all this effort. So, of course, it's it's like a needle a needle in a haystack kind of search, and you need imagination. But then you, but then. You, it could just set you astray because you imagine too many things and then you need a synthesis at some point and perhaps that might come from from outside 
There are so many interpretations on the Discord channel of what the message could contain that we are now in need of some other form of collaboration or maybe a new fresh perspective on what the message could be and to shift through all the information that is available on the Discord channel. So stay tuned and until next.